Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 113. Psalm 113, and we'll be reading the nine verses of this chapter. Psalm 113, beginning at verse 1, we hear now is God's Word. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, for those of you who are visiting with us this evening, we are just entering into a series of sermons on the book of Psalms. And we have had two sermons so far. We noticed that Psalms 1 and 2 really function as an introduction to the entire Psalter. Uh, Psalm 1 tells us what the Psalter is about. It is about those two ways of life, the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. Psalm 2, we saw, tells us whom the Psalter is about. And remember that, children, the Psalter is about Jesus. He is the one who is spoken of in the Psalms. Uh, Having finished that introduction, we are now going to look not at the Psalms in order. That would take us about three years or so to get through all of that. We're going to look at different types of Psalms within the Psalter. The Psalter was given to us to help us in our praise to God. In fact, the title of the book in Hebrew is Tehillim, the word praises. It's a book to help us praise. Help us praise God in all situations. We talked a bit last time or the time before about how the structure of the Psalms is important to understanding the message of the Psalm. And so we're going to look at tonight a particular type and particular structure of Psalm. In, in, uh, in the Scriptures, there are really two big types of literature. There is prose and there is poetry. Prose is the stories, kids. Prose is the stories. So within prose, we have historical narrative, tells us the stories of the Old Testament. We have the Gospels, they tell us the story of Jesus Christ. We have the epistles, the letters of of the various people who wrote them. We have these different types of prose, and it's important to know what type we're reading uh, to read it properly. Because we read different styles of literature differently. I mean, we do that even today. You read an editorial in the newspaper differently than you read a love letter 
from your boyfriend or girlfriend or from your spouse. Differently than you read a theological textbook. We read different things in different ways. So knowing what it is we're reading helps us to read it properly. When we talk about the poetry in Scripture, most of that poetry is found in the Psalter. It's a book of poems. And there are three fundamental, three most basic types of psalms we are going to look at. These are the three most common types. We'll look at others as well after these three. But the three most common types of psalms are hymns, laments, and thanksgivings. Hymns, laments, and thanksgiving. And these three types of psalms tend to follow the cycle of our lives. Uh, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann calls these three types psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of reorientation. Orientation, our regular life, when everything's going fine, everything's going okay, we're well oriented. And then some trial comes our way and we become disoriented, a tragedy strikes. And when God hears our cries and answers our prayers, we have reorientation. Hymns, laments, and thanksgivings. Tonight, we're going to look at the first of those three, at a hymn of praise. And the hymn has probably the simplest structure of any of these three types of psalms. The hymn has a very simple structure. It begins with a call to praise, then gives reasons for praise, and often, but not always, ends with a final call to praise. A very simple structure. And that is reflected on our outline tonight. Now, I was informed that some of the outlines actually have the outline of Reverend Squeer's sermon this morning. Now, it was a great sermon, but we don't have to use that outline again tonight. So if you have an outline that doesn't look quite like this, the two points tonight are number one, the call to praise, and number two, the reasons for praise. The two basic parts of a hymn. The call to praise, the reasons for praise, and then some include a final call to praise. We saw that, if you want to go back later this week, we read earlier tonight Psalm 135. It is a hymn of praise to God. It follows the structure. It begins with a call to praise, followed by reasons for praise, and a final call to praise. Psalm 33, we just sang that. If you want to read that in the Psalter sometime this week, the same structure. Call to praise, reasons for praise, final call to praise. And and even the shortest psalm in the Psalter, Psalm 117, follows that same pattern. Psalm 117 is that psalm that all you children know because when Dad says, what shall we read for devotions tonight, you very quickly say Psalm 117. It's the shortest psalm in the Psalter. But even this short psalm, this hymn of praise, follows the structure. It begins with a call to praise. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. It it goes on with reasons for praise. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of our Lord endures forever. And a final call, praise the Lord. 
Even this two-verse psalm, this two-verse hymn of praise, follows that structure. We're going to look tonight at Psalm 113. It is also a hymn of praise uh, to help us to bring God the praise that he so deserves. It begins with the call to praise. This is verses 1, 2, and 3, where we read, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That initial call to praise, and in this psalm, the call to praise answers for us three questions. Who is to praise? When are we to praise? And where are we to praise? This particular psalm, this call, answers those three questions. Who is to praise? Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, sometimes the psalmist uh, calls himself to praise God. We think of a psalm, like 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All within me, bless his holy name. Here he's not calling himself to bring praises to God. He is calling others to bring praises. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Who are the servants of the Lord? Well, certainly, it is those who would serve God in his temple. It would be the priests. It would be those that would do the sacrifices. But the servants of the Lord are beyond that. God's servants include all of his people. All are called to be his servants, and therefore all are called to praise him. This call to praise goes out to all of us. Praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. All of us are called to bring God praise which he deserves. When do we praise God? Verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. We are to praise God now, and we are to praise God forever. The psalmist uses here a particular uh, poetic device, and I know that this is not a class on Hebrew poetry, but it's good to know a couple of these things. A poetic device that is called a merism. A merism is when two things are put side by side, and it refers to both of them and everything in between. So we are to praise God now from this time and forever and every minute in between. All of our lives are to be given in praise to God. We are never free from our obligation to acknowledge Him and to praise Him. Our praise of God takes place not just in church, worship in the morning, worship in the evening. It takes place not just on the Lord's day. It takes place throughout our lives, in our homes, at our work, wherever we are, at all times. We are called to give praise to God. Who is to praise? All of us. When are we to praise? All the time. Verse 3, where are we to praise? From the rising of the sun to its setting, The name of the Lord is to be praised. Once again, we have a merism here. From the place where the sun rises to the place where the sun sets and everywhere in between. All parts of our lives are to praise God. 
all parts of our lives are to bring glory to Him. This is a, a recognition of His divine sovereignty over every part of our life. We praise Him in every part of our life because He controls every part of our life. He controls our life at home. He controls our life at school. He controls our life at work. He controls our life at church. All of these places, we are to bring God our praises. A call to all of us to praise God at all times and to praise God in all places. The call to praise. And then the psalmist goes on to give us reasons for praise. And in Psalm 113, he gives us two basic reasons that we are to praise God. We are to praise God for who He is, and we are to praise God for what He has done. First of all, we praise God for who He is. Verse 4, the Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. God is exalted. God is lifted up. God is glorious. We praise Him for who He is. He is the God who is exalted, His glory above the heavens. We hear echoes of Psalm 57. He, let his, he exalts Himself above the heavens. Let His glory be over all the earth. He's exalted above the heavens. We think about, about looking up at the sun in the sky, great and glorious and majestic, the most powerful thing we can think of, the power, the light, the glory of the sun, and our God is exalted above that. The greatest thing, the most powerful thing in the creation we can imagine, and God is above the heavens in His exaltation. God's power and God's majesty. Maybe some of you um, felt the power of God. I think it was yesterday, yesterday morning, about 9.30 or so. We had a small earthquake, just a little one, 3.3, but still enough to shake just, just for a second or so. And you think about that. The earth shook, and yet God is more powerful than any power here on earth, even more powerful than the earthquake. God has put his pattern, his structure in creation. You, O oh God, are high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Our God is exalted over the nations, over the powerful nations. We, uh, we think of the power of, of the military might we have today. We could talk about M1s, Abrams tanks, and crews or ballistic missiles, all these powerful, powerful weapons. And our God is more powerful highly above it, uh, exalted above the nations. We saw that in Psalm 2. The nations would, would try to rage against God, and what does God do, children? God looks down and laughs. He laughs when he sees their, their attempt at power. We praise God for who he is. He is the God who is highly exalted above the heavens, above the nations. We praise God for what he does. Verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? We have a God who is that great, who is that glorious, exalted more than the sun, exalted over the heavens, more powerful than the nations. But this God looks down and cares about that which he has made. This powerful God, this great God, this glorious God, cares about his creation 
And the psalmist gives us some examples of that. Why are we to praise God? What's the reason? Verse 7, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He raises us up. He delivers His people, not letting them uh, uh, just wither away, but He raises them up from their poverty. He raises them up from the ash heap. He delivers them from that which oppresses them. This is the greatness of our God. Verse 8, He, to make them sit with princes, with the princes of His people. Our God not only raises us up, but He makes us sit with princes. He raises the lowly to thrones. And we think about examples of that uh, through the Old Testament. We think of Joseph, how he was sold off into captivity by his brothers. And yet God would raise him to be second only to Pharaoh in the kingdom. He makes them sit with princes. We think of David. We've talked about David a couple times uh, in this series already. We'll probably talk more about him. David, the the, the best king of Israel, David, the, the, the pinnacle of the kingship. Where did David get his start, kids? Did David get his start in king's school? Did David go to king's school? He didn't go to king's school when he was a little boy. David was a shepherd. He was out in the fields. In fact, when they came to anoint the king, he wasn't even brought in. But God took the least, the last, the lowly, and exalted him to be the greatest king over his people. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. And verse 9, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. To be barren in Israel was not only to carry the weight of not having a child, but to carry the weight of knowing that God had promised to send His Son, His Redeemer, as a child. A woman who was barren was left out of possibly fulfilling that promise of a Redeemer to come. And yet God, we read here, is the one who gives the barren woman a home making her the joyous mother of children. And again, the examples of that abound in the Old Testament. We think of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, who was too old to have children. God gave them a son. We think of Isaac and Rebekah. God gave them twins. We think of uh, the mother of Samuel, Hannah, who wanted a son so badly. And finally, God gives her that which she asks. The barren woman given a home and making her the joyous mother of children. Why do we praise God? Because He looks down from on high and cares for that which He has made. The same God who cared at the time this psalm was written still cares for us today. He looks down from heaven and is concerned about the needs of His people, concerned about your needs. Concerned about the needs you have for your family, for your work, for whatever is troubling you, those things that keep you awake at night, God knows. 
And he is powerful and able to supply all of those needs. He cares about you. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. God would lift his people up, us up, not only from our our physical trials, from the difficulties of this life, but he lifts us up from the most serious difficulty, the struggle with sin. We are those who are who are bound in sin, left to ourselves. And God, in His love and mercy, not only looks down from on high, but God came down from on high. We celebrate that this time of year. God Himself came down from heaven to earth that we might be lifted up. He came to release us from the captivity of sin. And God continues to do that work. He calls out once again tonight to us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. No longer be bound by your sins, burdened by your sins, but be released because of what Christ has done. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap and to make them sit with princes with the princes of his people. Our God lifts us up, and we are seated, as it were, in heaven itself. Seated in the heavenlies. Seated with him in glory. God lifts his people up. Not a meager God, but a powerful God. Powerful to save. He gives the barren woman a home, makes her the joyous mother of children. God makes us part of a family, part of his family. We are adopted as his sons and daughters, brought into that glorious family through our greater brother, Jesus Christ, who came and did everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. That powerful God still looks down, came down, still cares about the needs of us, his people. Next time you wonder, why should I praise God? I encourage you, Turn to a psalm like Psalm 113. All of us are called to praise at all times and in all places because He is the God who cares, the God who loves. We've talked about about structure a couple times. The center of this poem, the center, who is like the Lord our God? There is none. He is the only, the only one who loves us so much that he would send his own son down to redeem a people for his very own. We are are given a home, a home within his church and the promise of an eternal home with him forever, forever. The psalmist finishes with the final call, praise the Lord. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, you are great. You are lifted up in the heavens. You are high above all the nations and your glory above the heavens, O God. Who is like you, who is seated on high but looks far down? Oh, we thank you for your care, for your love, for your concern for us. A concern for all of our needs, our physical needs, our temporal needs, and our spiritual and eternal needs in the sending of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us ever, O God, to bring you the praise which you deserve. Thank you for giving us the Psalms. 
which teach us how we should praise you and why we should praise you. Make us good students of your word, O God, that you might receive the praise which you so deserve. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to the setting of this psalm, which is number 224 in the Psalter hymnal. A setting of Psalm 113, praise God, ye servants of the Lord, praise, praise his name with one accord. Bless ye the Lord, his name adore from this time forth forevermore. We're going to sing all five verses, number 224, let's stand together as we sing. God, you Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.